You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. If you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know that I'm a little bit scared of heights. But what you don't know yet is that I'm not too keen on being submerged deep underwater either. So it may come as a surprise to you that last year I bought an underwater camera, the Canon Prima AS1, also known as the Canon Shot A1, Canon Autoboy D5, and the Canon WP1. It's big, it's bright, and it does not fit in my pocket. What I can tell you though is that it's super fun to use. But are the images any good? Keep listening and find out. Also keep listening for an update on the goals that I set myself in January this year along with an update on my plastic pano camera challenge. I'm Matt Murray and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Analog photography related. friends how are you i hope you are well wherever you are all around the world it's easter sunday here in australia so if you celebrate easter happy easter i hope your day is full of lots of lovely chocolate i've been eating way too much chocolate over the last couple of weeks so starting tomorrow i'm grabbing my pooch marshall dalmatian and we're going to be hitting the pavements at least twice a day i think to try and work off some of my chocolate and his doggy treats Like many countries, we're under this kind of lockdown at the moment where unless we leave the house with a very good reason, you know, we could be fined by the police and the fines are quite big. They're over well over a thousand dollars. So unless you're going to the supermarket or a medical appointment or work or things like that, you can't leave the house. So pretty much the only times we leave are to go to the supermarket. And the rest of the time, we just stay home. So yesterday, um, we actually put the tent up in the back garden. This was my wife's idea. So we had a little camp out in the back garden, had stories and fairy lights, all that kind of stuff. And it was great fun. I have been trying to do as much photography as I can. So for example, yesterday, I opened up my Lomography Super Sampler. This is a camera that I bought cheap off Gumtree about two years ago, I think, and I've never used it. So I put some 400 speed film in that, and it takes four images on the one piece of film in very rapid succession. So the kids were jumping on the trampoline, and I took loads of pictures of them. I later realized it was actually quite shady on the trampoline, even though it was a beautiful sunny day. And I was thinking maybe I should have used ISO 800 film instead of ISO 400 film, but we'll we'll see how they turn out. Hopefully they'll be okay. I've also done quite a few other things with photography. I've been taking a camera out each day when I have been walking Marshall, sometimes digital, sometimes film. And I haven't taken a lot of photos, but it's nice just to take one out with me just in case I do want to take a photo. And I've also developed my own film, which you'll hear about later on in this episode. I've also been busy researching future podcasts. And of course, this is the third podcast for Matt Loves Cameras in around three weeks. Now, the last one released on April the 1st, you guessed it, was a bit of an April Fool's joke. Now, I'm not saying it was particularly funny joke or gag or whatever, but it was quite elaborate. It was a 17-minute episode of Matt Loves Cameras called Matt Loves Viewmasters, where I said that I was going to give up cameras and just concentrate on Viewmasters from now on. Of course, Viewmasters are those beautiful for stereoscopes you put a reel of images in and this image in 3d comes before your very eyes and they're actually very very beautiful uh little things i absolutely love i've got a very small collection of about 15 i picked up cheap and they're absolutely uh beautiful beautiful things but it's worth listening to that episode guys if you haven't already just because um myself and the kids we re-recorded all the audio fills all the audio breaks uh and introductions matt loves viewmasters all that kind of stuff so it could be worth a listen to just for the fun of that. So just a quick recap. I'm Matt Murray. I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia. And I can confirm the sun is shining here today. Beautiful, beautiful day. 
This podcast is all about analog photography. In many episodes of the podcast, I review a different film or instant camera telling you about its history, its features, what it's like to use, and what kind of photos you can expect from it. In today's episode, episode 30 of Matt Loves Cameras, I have a review of the Canon Prima AS1 underwater camera, also known as the Shot A1, the Shot WP1, and the Autoboy D5. You can see the show notes for every episode of this podcast on the website mattlovescameras.com and I'll put some of the images on the Instagram at mattlovescameras. Also in this episode, I'll have an update on the plastic pano challenge, Matt Loves Panos plastic challenge, and I'll also give you an update later on on the goals that I set myself this year. That was the first episode this year, and uh, I set myself 10 goals, and you'll find out my report card. Uh, I didn't get an A, guys, but I, I did okay, I think. Oh, and I'll also tell you right at the end about some exciting news about the launch of my first ever zine, so keep listening for that. Now, before we move on to the review of the Canon Prima AS1 underwater camera, first I have a very special treat for you, a brief history of underwater photography. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm getting a bit anxious just listening to that in the, uh, the background there. Okay, so the first underwater photo was taken by William Thompson in 1856 in Weymouth Bay. <laughs> Weymouth Bay in Dorset. This was just 19 years after Louis Daguerre introduced his pioneering method of creating photographs, daguerreotypes. Thompson had an interest in marine life, so he built a metal box for housing a camera to submerge in Weymouth Bay. Inside the metal box was a camera loaded up with a 4x5, or is that a 5x4, glass plates. The shutter for the camera was activated from a line on the surface of the water, and the result was the very first underwater photograph. The first official photo taken by someone actually underwater was a few years later. It was in 1893. French biologist and diver Louis Boutin rigged up an alcohol lamp attached to a barrel underwater. He then had some magnesium underneath the water, and this was used to sort of go in front of the lamp, which produced a strobe of light. Sounds a bit dangerous to me, but anyway. Uh, so six years later, Boutin was added again. In 1899, he took the first underwater portrait of someone. It was a portrait of his friend Emil Rakovica, a Romanian oceanographer and biologist. So that's 1899, the first underwater portrait. This was taken at a depth of 164 feet, which is over 50 meters under the water. And poor, poor old mate Emil Rakovica, he had to stay still for about 30 minutes because that's how long the exposure was. It was a 30 minute exposure. Fast forward to 1916. That's when the first underwater cinematography took place for the film adaptation of Jules Verne's classic novel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Now, when I was reading that, I actually remembered many years ago, sometimes how you know, how you read something and it triggers a memory. Many years ago, I think it was 2007, my wife and I visited Maison Jules Verne, uh, which is basically the Jules Verne Museum in the northern French town of Amiens, which is a really cool place. The, like the house itself is really cool, and the town's lovely. There's a beautiful cathedral there. So if you ever get a chance, if any of us ever get a chance to travel travel again, uh, check out Amiens, uh, just north of Paris kind of thing. So that was the first underwater cinematography, 1916. 11 years later, in 1927, the first colour underwater photographs were published in National Geographic. These photos included one of the hogfish taken in Florida by Charles Martin and Dr. William Longley. Now, as well as using waterproof housing for their camera, they also used highly explosive magnesium flash powder to light the underwater image. So again, you know, people people going to some kind of lengths to get these photos underwater. They're very, very determined bunch of people. I probably would have sat on the shore and, and just enjoyed the sea and the, and, the, and the waves coming in. But, you know, these crazy people, they were pioneers and they went and did all this stuff. In 1960, along came the Calypso camera. This 35mm camera was the brainchild of the legendary French oceanographer Jacques Cousteau, designed by Jean de Wouter, manufactured in France. 
The Calypso could be taken to a depth of 60 meters, which was pretty revolutionary for such a small kind of camera. The creators of the Calypso went into partnership with Nikon soon after its launch. And then Nikon launched this camera as the Nikonos 35mm camera in 1963. This line of cameras has been the standard for underwater photography ever since. Nikon produced these cameras until 2001, with each new model becoming more and more advanced. Throughout the 1980s and the 1990s, almost every major manufacturer introduced a camera into their lineup that was either waterproof or in some cases, it could be used underwater. These cameras catered to the increasing popularity of pastimes such as scuba diving, snorkeling, skiing, in fact, any kind of all-weather activity, including travel. One of the first cabs off the rank was Minolta in 1980, when they launched the Weathermatic A, a bright yellow 110 film camera that could be used in all-weather conditions, including to a diving depth of five meters. I recently picked up one of the Weathermatic A's here in Brisbane. It was $20. It looks in really good condition. It come with the original case. So it's one of the very few cameras, guys, that I've bought so far in 2020. Also, if you'd like to know more about the 110 film that the Minolta Weathermatic A used, check out episode one of Matt Loves Cameras. It was the Pentax Auto 110. And I did a, a brief history of 110 film right at the start of that. In 1986, Nikon launched the Nikon L35 AWAF and the AWAD, Action Touch Cameras. These were all-weather cameras with a 35mm f2.8 lens. They enabled you to take photos to a depth of just 3 meters. It was autofocus on land and manual focus underwater. It was more or less a waterproof version of their popular point-and-shoot model, the L35 AF2. In the next year, 1987, Minolta introduced the Weathermatic 35DL, which essentially was the Minolta AFDL in waterproof housing, and looked very much like the big brother of that Weathermatic A, that 110 camera. But this one, of course, took 35mm film. In the early 1990s, along came a few more manufacturers. So Konica released the Mermaid, the Konica Mermaid, which of course was the Konica Big Mini in waterproof housing. And of course, if you'd like to know more about the Konica Big Mini, check out episode 26 of Matt Loves Cameras, which of course was the Konica Big Mini. So now, my friends, we have set the stage for the subject of today's podcast, the Canon Prima AS1. So keep listening and we're going to find out all about it after this. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. In April 1994, Canon came into the game and launched their underwater camera, this beautiful white, red and black grey camera known by different names in different territories. In Europe, it was known as the Canon Prima AS1, and that is the version of the camera I've got. In Japan, it was, of course, the Autoboy D5. And in North America, it was the SureShot A1. Now, apart from the name on the camera under the flash, they're pretty much all identical. The cost of this camera in Japan when it was new was around 42,000 yen, which is around $40, well, was around $40 US at the time. Rather confusingly, there's also a fourth camera, very, very similar camera, but slightly different. It's called the SureShot WP-1. It looks almost the same as the rest of these cameras, except for two main differences. First of all, the rubber on the front under the Canon logo isn't grey like the other three models. It's red on the WP-1. And even more curiously, the other difference is that on the settings dial on the front of the camera, on the other models, the three models, the one I've got and the other two, there's a fish on the macro mode. On the Canon SureShot WP-1, it has a flower on its macro mode. Very, very strange. Why would they put a flower on there instead of a fish? Who knows? Anyway, uh, and even more actually weird is that in Canon's online museum, they don't even mention the WP-1. They mention the other three models and not the WP-1. Now, I did come across some internet speculation around this. Now, what it's saying is this, that originally... 
Canon manufactured the WP-1 in China and there were some issues potentially around flooding of the camera. Now originally in the manual it said that it was waterproof to 5 meters in, in one version of the manual. In later manuals the WP-1 said that it's only splash proof, weatherproof. It's not actually waterproof to 5 meters. So there's some speculation here. Did production shift from China to Taiwan where many of the other cameras were made because there were issues with the integrity of keeping that camera nice and dry on the inside. So there you go. There is a little bit of speculation around that and no one seems to actually know. Now here's what Canon say on their museum website about this camera, the, the Prima AS-1, Autoboy D5, Shawshot A1. The world's smallest and lightest land-based and underwater camera when it was launched. Fully automatic, the camera can be used on land where a three-point smart autofocus is effective for distances as close as 45 centimeters, which is one and a half feet. Underwater, focusing is good from one meter to three meters, which is three feet to nine feet. In the macro mode, you can focus from point four five meters 45 centimeters or one and a half feet to one meter or three feet the large albeda i always want to read that as alibaba i don't know why the large albeda viewfinder has a long eye relief making it easy to view even with an underwater face mask or ski goggles i don't know why you'd be wearing ski goggles underwater anyway the camera bottom has a switch for the normal and panorama modes now this is kind of a trick here guys because most models of this camera don't have panorama mode. I don't have one, but you could switch between normal and panorama because, hey, this is a 1990s camera, right? Uh, and some of them also had a date back as well, but mine doesn't. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you about some of the specifications of the camera now. The Canon Prima AS-1 is a fully automatic 35mm waterproof camera. It has a 32mm f3.5 lens, six elements in six groups. Above the water, it has a three-point smart autofocus system with a near-infrared beam, <laughs> it's hard to say, with pre-focus enabled. Now listen to what it says here in the manual about underwater photography. You can take pictures down to five meters underwater. When underwater, the camera's autofocus mechanism automatically switches to a fixed focal length. So there you go. Very, very interesting. It, it changes to a fixed focal length, fixed focus underwater. It has a large bright viewfinder with a 0.42 magnification and 84% coverage. It has a built-in electronic self-timer, has some LED lights giving you feedback through the viewfinder when you're taking photos. The ISO speed range, film speed range is ISO 25 to ISO 3200. Non-DX coded film is rated at ISO 25. Wow, there's a trick there if you're not using non-DX coded film. It has a flash. It takes one CR123A lithium battery, auto film advance, auto rewinds, uh, but there's no mid-roll rewinds. Maybe that's because when you're underwater, they don't want you to knock it and completely um, you know, ruin your chances of getting any good fish photos. The weight of the camera is 385 grams, including the battery. Okay, so I'll describe the camera for you. So it's on a lovely red and black Canon strap, which is very, feels very hardy. It feels like it's not going to snap or anything or break. It's very, very tough feeling. So the camera itself, it's, yeah, it's not the smallest camera in the world. It's considerably bigger than other point and shoots. So as you hold the camera in your hand, it's got this massive viewfinder. It's a really nice viewfinder, which I've just spoken about. It's got some frame lines in there. Um, it's got a couple of sets, um, one for normal photos, and there's also a cut down version for parallax error. Uh, on top of the camera, on the left, you've got the frame counter. On the right, you've got the lovely big red shutter button. And right next to it, you've got the self timer button, which is pretty cool. Also on the back, you've got a little window so you can see which film you've got in the camera, if you've got any film at all, of course. Very handy feature. On the left, you've got the latch, the red latch, where you open up the back, which is quite hard to do. Uh, not quite not hard, but it's more difficult than other cameras. I think that's because it, they don't want you to open it underwater, which is a very good feature, really. So... Looking at the camera, you've actually got this kind of waterproof seal, this red sort of ring around the back of it. 
uh, to keep it all waterproof. And you've there's some instructions in the manual on how to keep that nice and clean and dry and make sure you don't um, muck the camera up. Basically, if you have any sand or grit or dirt on that waterproof ring, it can flood the camera and ruin the camera. So on the bottom of the camera, you have the little door for the battery. It takes one CR123A battery. It's got a tripod socket, which is, looks like it's made of plastic. On the front, you've got the lovely Canon logo, and it says Canon lens 32mm f3.5. Uh, it's got the name of the model on the other side, Prima AS1. It's got a dial on the front. Now, this is the main sort of dial that you'll be using on the camera, and this is how you switch between the different modes. So there's an off setting, there's an auto setting, there's a flash on setting. There's the mode that I use the most, which is the flash off setting. Very, very handy in this kind of camera to have a dedicated flash off setting. Some other underwater cameras don't have that. And the last setting is, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. All those settings, you can just leave it on the setting on the dial. This last one, you have to push and hold for it to stay in the setting. And it's the macro fish mode. <laughs> So you've actually got to hold that in if you want to use that mode if you're underwater and you want to photograph something close up. You don't have to use that mode underwater. In the manual it tells you you can use the auto mode. You could also use flash on mode underwater as well. Now when I was reading the manual for this camera I came across a number of interesting facts which I've jotted down here on my computer screen. So here we go. The first one, don't jump into the water with the Canon Prima AS1 as it can basically cause the camera to flood and ruin the camera. So just sort of get into the water gently, no dive bombing or anything like that. The second thing is that the manual recommends high speed film, for example ISO 400 film, for underwater photography. So there you go, if you're thinking of taking some photos underwater, load it up with 400 or faster film. The next thing I read in the manual is rather curious. It says do not use slide film. So there's no explanations, it just says do not use slide film. Now I'm guessing this is for two reasons. Firstly, print film of course has a much better latitude. Uh, than slide film. You know, you can sort of overexpose or slightly underexpose print film and it's going to be okay. Slide film, of course, has a much narrower exposure latitude and generally slide films are slower films. You know, ISO 50, ISO 100, which means that when you're underwater with a point and shoot and you can't control the aperture or the shutter speed and the camera's making all the decisions, you know, it could be that, you know, 100 or 50 ISO film is just too slow underwater. Now, I have actually read that quite a lot of underwater photographers loved slide film, but the difference there is quite often they would take their own strobes down underwater to be able to use that slower film. And in fact, Kodak even manufactured a specialist ectochrome. It was called Kodak Underwater Ectochrome. There you go. Another fun fact, objects underwater appear 25% closer than they actually are. There you go. So it actually gives you in the manual distances for different types of photography, macro and flash photography. And it actually goes to great lengths to tell you just to make sure that you're measuring those distances properly because objects in water appear 25% closer. Another fun fact, water absorbs red light, which means that many underwater photos have a kind of a bluish cast to them. And so what the camera manual here recommends is get as close as possible to your subject to try and minimize this. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So what's the Canon Prima AS1 like to use? Well, I can tell you it's a real joy to use. It's a bigger camera than I would usually have for a point and shoot. Quite often I have my Olympus LT1 or my Mu1 or my Mu2 or I have a Minox or my Voigtlander Vito C or my Olympus XA. I mean, these are all really tiny, small cameras. In fact, they're some of the smallest cameras ever made. So the Canon Prima AS1 is significantly bigger than those cameras. However, it's one that I just can't stop using. When I was looking at the photos, I, I gathered all the photos in my Lightroom, ready to export some for the show notes for this episode. And I was actually quite shocked that I'd taken five rolls of film already with this camera. I used 
use a lot of different cameras uh, for this show to try and do different reviews. And I thought maybe I'd shot maybe three rolls of film on the camera and I've actually shot five. So the very first time I used it, I kind of fell in love with it. I bought it off English eBay and sent it to my mother-in-law's house. She brought it over to us when we first arrived in England for our holiday. I loaded it up with some Kodak gold and I went around the barn just doing a test roll, uh, sort of photographing flowers, photographing my kids. I also finished the roll off in Birmingham, around the uh, the center of Birmingham there. And when I got the files back, I was like, wow, these these photos look great. The, the, the lens is sharp. It's that Canon 32mm f3.5 lens. It's lovely and sharp. The color contrast of the images is beautiful. And as soon as I saw that first roll of Kodak Gold, I thought, right, I'm going to shoot some more with this. And I loaded up with some Portra 160 and we went around a fruit farm and we went to the one ice cream place and we went to all these different places in England and I just couldn't stop using this camera. It is a really fun camera to use and it makes you want to use it over and over. I think it's because it just... I don't know, it kind of just puts a smile on my face just looking at it. It's this red and white camera. Not many of my cameras are red and white. In fact, none of them are besides this one. It's got this huge viewfinder, so it's easy to see through. The shutter button's nice and responsive. It's got a great sound to it. And of course, the most obvious feature of all, it is weatherproof. You can put it underwater. You can take it out in the rain. In fact, quite often with the rolls of this camera, that's exactly what I did. So I went around England. England is known, of course, to have a few showers here and there. And I took it out a couple of times in the rain in England. And of course, it's fine. It's it's a completely waterproof camera. So it was perfect for those English conditions when it was raining. When I got back to Australia, I, I've used it quite a lot as well, mainly when I've gone down the beach with the kids. So one day on holidays, we actually went out into the surf my kids had these little surfboards so I went out into the surf with the kids so I'm in the water it starts to rain but you know what it doesn't matter if it rains it doesn't matter if I drop the camera or if a wave comes up and smashes me with this camera it doesn't matter at all it's waterproof so I had so much fun taking images of the kids on their surfboards in the surf that day it was such fun I also had a lot of fun taking images of the kids underwater in the hotel pool as well and then later on probably in February I think it was I went down to Newcastle in New South Wales for a work trip and it was very rainy one morning and I loved taking images in the rain you know would I I've got my Fujifilm Class S out in the rain and taking photos. Mm, I don't think so. But with the Canon Prima AS1, you've got the freedom to do that. The other really cool thing about it, of course, is how it looks. It's this white camera with this red trimming everywhere, and it just looks fun, and it looks a bit goofy, and I mean that in a nice way. I mean that in a loving way. People don't really take you that seriously when you pull this thing out because it kind of looks like a toy camera. You know, you don't look like a a paparazzi or anything like that. You you just look like a a person playing around with a toy camera, and that's what's so cool about it. I was actually fascinated to read during my research for this show. That's the exact reason why Canadian photographer Fred Herzog loved this camera. Now he had a long career uh, photographing the streets of Vancouver for, for several decades. Quite often in the early days of course he would use a Leica but in later years he would actually use this camera because people didn't take him seriously with this camera. They just thought it was a toy and that's a real advantage to this camera. So in summary, I would really recommend you get one of these cameras if you can. If you love point and shoots, if you love waterproof cameras, if you love diving, uh, go and grab one. They're about 50 US dollars roughly on eBay. They're just such great cameras. They're very hardy. Uh, they've got a great viewfinder. It's good, good responsive shutter button. The images are lovely and sharp with great color contrast. Uh, it's a it's a great Canon 32mm lens, which is a really good focal length, uh, f3.5 lens. And unlike some other waterproof cameras, you can turn the flash off for land-based photography, which is really, really good. Now I'm going to describe some of the images I've taken with the Canon Prima AS1. And you can see these on the show notes at mattlovescameras.com. So the first camera is of the Canon itself. I took with my digital camera. But then if you go down, all the rest were taken on this camera. The first one is probably the most favorite photo I've taken with it. 
in December, January, we went to the beach a few times and I took a whole load of images of my kids surfing uh, with these little surfboards uh, down at the beach. And I absolutely love this first one. It's my daughter on her surfboard. My son's in the background and my daughter's just got this lovely big smile. And it was kind of an overcast day. We actually went down to the beach. It was raining. So I thought, hey, it's raining. I'm going to be in the water. What better camera to take when it's raining, when you're standing in the ocean, than the Canon Prima AS1, right? So I took that down with me and I had such fun time taking loads of pictures of the kids. Uh, We actually got terribly burnt, Uh, like really badly burnt. I mean, you'd think we'd know living in Australia to be careful with the sun. Because it was raining, it was really overcast. Uh, We didn't put much cream on or we didn't put cream everywhere. And that night we were all very feeling very sorry for ourselves. And we actually had to go to the supermarket to get some aloe vera to, to, to put it all over our necks and our backs. Uh, it was very, very silly. But I love that picture there of my daughter and my son. In fact, that's my Facebook uh, cover photo because I love that photo so much. The next one is a picture of my daughter and my son again. This time it's in the pool at the place we stayed at. As I took a couple of pictures of them underwater, the camera was fine. It's still working. didn't flood. And so it's a really cool photo of my kids. Um, so they're sort of, you know, kind of jostling underwater with their goggles on. Love that picture. That was also taken, like the first photo, that was taken on Lomo Color 800. The next picture is back to England in September, and that was taken on Kodak Portra 160. It's an image of an ice cream van. It has a beautiful blue sky, and then there's a red color and the white color of the van with an ice cream on the front of the van, and it says Cadbury's and 99 Flake. When I first moved to England many years ago, I had no idea what a 99 was. Uh, it's basically a, a Mr. Whippy style soft serve ice cream with a flake in. It's called 99. I've no idea why. The next image is one of the test shots I took with the first roll of film through the camera on some beautiful Kodak Gold 200. Sorry, found that quite hard to say. Kodak Gold 200. It's some beautiful hydrangeas and these were growing around the barn that we were staying at in England. Beautiful hydrangeas, beautiful colors. I love that shot. The next one is the last roll I took with this camera. It's on Lomo Color 800, and it's of the Newcastle Ocean Baths in New South Wales. So in Australia, particularly in states like New South Wales, we have this really curious thing. They're called ocean baths. So they're basically swimming pools right next to the ocean, and the the pool is full of seawater from the ocean. So you can sort of swim, you can be near the ocean, but you're actually in a pool. Uh, So the image, sort of two thirds of the image is actually this kind of old concrete seating where people could sit and watch people swim. So there you go. It's quite an overcast day, but I really like the colors of this. It's on 800 speed film and it's kind of got nice kind of goldy green kind of tones to it. I like that one. The next one again is in Newcastle. I went for a morning walk very early and I saw these guys in this boat. I have no idea what kind of boat it is. Um, but one, one guy was wearing this kind of like this big, like nappy kind of thing, uh, not nappy kind of like, you know, those things that the sumo wrestlers wear with a bit of cloth gun up their bum. (laughs) So one of the guys in this boat was wearing one of those and, uh, everyone else was kind of wearing other kind of outfits. I don't know. Uh, but so they've got this boat on the shore there and in the background, there's a big coal ship and there's two tugboats, uh, pushing or, you know, helping the coal ship out of the harbour kind of thing. So there you go. There's four boats in one picture and some guys wearing some weird outfits. The next image is back to England. It's an image of my kids again on Kodak Portra 160. They were picking fruit. My daughter looks quite sharp. My son looks like he's not quite as sharp. So I'm I'm guessing there, because I was using quite low speed film, I'm guessing there that might've been shot at, you know, F3.5 just because they're not on the same... Um, plane and I think uh, my daughter's in focus and my son's slightly out of focus at a at a sort of wide open kind of aperture. The next image is at Fingal Head in New South Wales uh, in January or December January and that's again on Lomography Color 800 film. Lovely sort of colors to that one. Next one is back at the beach. It's my son surfs up and he's got his red surfboard 
and he's smiling there on the beach. That's when the sun started to come out and we started to get burnt. Uh, the next one down is a nice image of the Selfridges, Selfridges department store at the Bullring in Birmingham, a very unique, distinct building with big circular silver things on the outside of the building. You've really got to see the image to, to know what I'm talking about if you don't. And that was taken on Kodak Gold 200. The next one was taken on the Isle of Wight at dusk. It's a pub called the Old Corner Bank. And I really like the way this looks. It's quite grainy, but it's 1600 speed film. But yeah, I really like that image. The next one, we're back to Newcastle in the morning and it's on color 800 Lomography film and it's of a surfing lesson and everyone walking out to the sea with their surfboards. And in the background on the right, you can actually see a coal ship. I think it's the same coal ship that I saw earlier. The next one down, we're back to the Isle of Wight and it's Sandown Pier at dusk. That image is actually in my zine. I've just remembered that. Uh, so there you go. It's on Fujifilm Natura 1600 speed film as is the next image. I was actually using up the roll at this stage. This is in a town, oh, town in the south of England. I can't remember what the name of the town is, but I just looked up and saw this Union Jack bunting. So I took a picture. It was quite bright in the background, but I liked the way the, the, way the cameras sort of, you know, handled the exposure of that one. It looks really good. And the final image, we are back to Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury in Shropshire. And you've got this beautiful line of Georgian houses, absolutely gorgeous buildings uh, with these distinct, you know, Georgian windows and doorways. And in the background, screwing the whole thing up, you've got the 1960s clock tower. So there was a beautiful Victorian uh, market hall in Shrewsbury until the 1960s when they sort of thought, hey, why don't we tear down this old beautiful old Victorian building, and we'll build a big concrete brick market hall. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, so there you go. It's, it's a rather ugly clock tower, uh, but it's peeking out the top of those Georgian buildings there. But all the images are great. I really love the, the color contrast. They're nice and sharp. Uh, that Canon lens is really wonderful. And uh, this really has very quickly become one of my favorite point and shoots. And this is what I love about it. You know, if it's sunny, you take the camera out. If you're going underwater, going in the pool, you take the camera with you. If you're walking in the surf, you know, alongside your kids on surfboards, you can take the camera with you. If it's raining, it was actually raining the morning I took it out in Newcastle in New South Wales. It was raining and spitting. Uh, it didn't really matter. I took the camera with me. It's such a great camera to take everywhere with you. It doesn't fit in your pocket, but I think, you know, the, the plus points of this camera uh, more than make up for the fact that it's a tiny bit bulky. I absolutely love this camera and recommend it. out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com if you're on instagram come say hi at mattlovescameras or if you fancy getting in touch drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com Okay, so a few little bits and bobs before we wrap up this episode. I'm going to give you an update, a scorecard, a report card on my goals that I set in the very first episode of Matt Loves Cameras this year. So here are my goals. I'm going to go through them one by one. Publish my first photography zine. And guys, listen to this. There you go. That is the sound of me thumbing through my first film photography zine. It's a beautiful colour zine. Uh, it's got a lovely soft velvety finish uh, paper on the front cover and the back cover. Uh, it's 48 pages plus the cover. Beautiful colour photography with some writing and some funny stories in. And it's called Every Summer. And these are film photographs that I took on the Isle of Wight. So probably, be, uh, probably in about another week probably around April the 17th or 18th, I'll be launching this scene for sale. And I'll be doing that here on the podcast. Um, I'll do an, an episode all about the Isle of Wight and the, the fun we had on the Isle of Wight. And of course, me taking the photographs on the Isle of Wight, which ended up with this beautiful zine I have right here. So I'm very, very proud of it. I've been working on it for six months on and off. And I'll tell you all about that in the next episode. Uh, but it's just so, I'm so happy to have it here in my hands. 
Goal number two was to develop my own black and white images. <laughs> and as I told you at the top of this show, I did it, guys. I did it. So I took the guys, I took the guys, I took the kids out down to the beach, um, down to that beach we can't go to anymore. And um, I gave them a camera each. I think my daughter had a Nikon Light Touch and my son was using an Olympus AF10. And we sort of went around down by the boats when we could still go down to the seaside. We took a whole lot of photos down there two or three weeks ago. Then we finished the rolls around the house. One roll was FP4 and the other roll was Kodak T-Max 100. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. I, I bought everything I needed to develop my film about a year ago. So I bought the dark bag, I bought the Patterson tank, I bought the monobath. Uh, so it was everything was just waiting for me here to do it. And um, I did it. So it was really cool. I, I retrieved the film from the canisters. I loaded them up on the spools in the dark bag. That was a nightmare. You know, when you do it in the light, when you can see what you're doing, it's easy, isn't it, right? When you do it in the dark bag, it's a little bit trickier. I can't see what you're doing. And I had the film sweats. And I made my daughter get a tissue and mop my forehead, mop my brow, which she was completely disgusted with me sweating. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit worrying trying to get that film on the spool. We poured the chemicals in, poured them out, rinsed them in a bit of water. And I couldn't believe it when I opened it up and there were these beautiful images. Um, so I used some washing pegs um, from the laundry cupboard and they're hanging up in the bath at the moment. I think they've been in their bath for about a week. Uh, so I better go retrieve them really at one some stage uh, and scan them. But yeah, I'm really, really proud, proud of myself. So that's two out of two goals so far, guys. Goal number three was shoot some medium format film. Uh, yeah, I failed on this one. So I have some medium format cameras. I got a Rollerflex. I got a, what do you call it? I got a Holger. I've got this camera in the corner that I'm really scared of. It's a Bronica SQA. And I failed on that goal, guys. So I've got, yeah, a big thumbs down for that one. Sorry, I failed you on that one. The fourth goal was have a net reduction of 15 cameras. So that means I could buy a new camera as long as I had 15 less. Yeah, never happened. I don't think I got rid of any cameras this year so far, guys. Um, now, I was actually planning a contingency for this. So what I thought was, I'm going to completely fail this goal. So what I did was, the um, every June, there's a camera fair in Brisbane. It's called the Brisbane Camera Holics Fair. And I actually emailed them. I saw them on Facebook and I emailed them and I said, hey guys, um, I'm really interested in getting a stand for the camera fair, right? So I'm thinking at this fair, I can sell my zine, I can sell my cameras, I can meet people, have some fun. And they, they emailed back and said, yeah, no worries. We'll put you on the list when we send out the, you know, the invitations to, to book a stand and pay for a stand. Um, but of course, then coronavirus happened, my friends. So I haven't heard anything back from the Brisbane Cameraholics. However, given that everything has pretty much been cancelled everywhere, I'm highly doubtful that the fair will go ahead in June. But fingers crossed it'll go on some stage this year. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've failed on that one, guys. And I failed with my backup plan of booking a, <laughs> a stand at the camera fair. Number five, keep track of how much I spend on photography. So yes, I did this. I think it's just over 350 Australian dollars. So that included my film developing. Um, it included, what else did it include? I bought some disposable cameras for a project and I bought some other few little bits and bobs. Oh, I bought the Weathermatic camera for $20. So I think it was just around 350 Australian dollars, which is probably, I don't know, um, low 200s in US dollars at the moment. So yeah, I, I feel like I haven't spent that much this year on camera stuff so far. So that's pretty good. Read three photography books. Yes, I read three photography books. So I read the Photography Ideas book, uh, Toy Cameras, and I, did, I wrote another one. I, I think it's in the bedroom, but I did read a third one I've had for years and years and years. So yeah, there you go. I can tick that sixth goal off as well. So, so far we're six goals in guys. I've done four and I failed on two. My seventh goal was to do a Polaroid emulsion lift. Now I did it, but because I don't know, I, it's the first time I've ever done one. It kind of half worked and half fell to pieces. So I have actually done it. It just didn't work out how I want it to work out. And I don't know if it's because I was using eye type film. I don't know if I didn't do it soon enough. So after I took the photo, so that's a thing this, these days, people say that you should do an emulsion lift pretty much as soon as, you know, 10, 15 minutes after you take the photo. 
Um, so I'll have to investigate that one further. However, technically, yeah, I can take that one off. I have done one, even though it wasn't majorly successful. Number eight was catalog and backup my film photography files. So I've done this. I have made a second backup. I just haven't probably gone through them uh, in, in as much depth and much detail in terms of metadata as I would like. So I'm going to give myself a half a mark for that one. Number nine, complete the Magnum Street Photography Online course that I bought. I've done that. I enjoyed that very much. So there's a whole load of videos and a whole load of sort of fact sheets and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed that. So, yep, I can tick that one off. And the last one, number 10, complete the first three months of the 2020 Frugal Film Project. So, yes, I'm back with the Frugal Film Project for another year, as are many other photographers, all headed up by Sherry Christensen. So, yes, I've shot three months worth of photos for that so far. And if you uh, would like to have a look at that, you can get on the internet and go to rr one it's RR number one, photography.com, and you can find out about all the amazing frugal film project photographers. So a few episodes ago on the I Almost Dropped an X-Pan episode, we launched the Matt Loves Panos 2020, the Plastic Pano Camera Challenge competition. So that's where you have to grab a plastic focus-free camera that shoots in panoramic formats. So all of the rules, all of the details are on the website mattlovescameras.com. So there's one post about all the rules and how to enter. And there's also another page now with all the entries on. And we've had some really wonderful entries in so far. So go to mattlovescameras.com and check them out. So I'm going to go through the people who've already sent me entries so far. Please accept my apologies on pronunciations. First up, we have Dominic. Actually, I'm not even going to try and pronounce Dominic's last name. Uh, but there you go. Dominic <laughs> sent some wonderful images, color images in of shots from New York. Um, but it's like New York State, I would suggest, not New York City. Um, beautiful sort of rural scenes, lighthouses and, and boats and sheds. And some looks like maybe a vineyard, maybe. I didn't know they had vineyards in um, New York. Maybe it's another kind of farm. I'm not sure. But there's some really lovely images there that he took on his Ansco pics using Fuji Superior 400 film. The next lot of pictures were some lovely ones taken by Michael Rosenbaum from Florida. Again on the Ansco pics. So there's some nice, there's a nice one of some wooded sort of rural scene there. Uh, there's a couple of ones taken there. I think these were taken together. Oh no, sorry. There's one... Looks like it's taken with some telescopes, maybe. I'm um, looking at the night sky, maybe. And there's another one. It looks like it's a model airplane club. Apologies, Michael, if that's not correct. And there's a last one of a sign that says, Bull of the Woods, Chewing Tobacco. So good use of the panorama format there. The next lot are from Tommy Napier. And Tom is from Southeast Queensland. He's from Brisbane, where I live. So he's taken some nice images there of the Ted's Mount Bridge. Uh, in the north of Brisbane. He's taken a picture of a mural at a shopping centre in Ipswich, a picture of Kedron Brook with some nice reflections there, and he took a, another picture of a memorial at a cemetery. And he also sent in a picture of his panorama optical lens 25mm camera. Next up is Matt Evans in New Zealand. And Matt is not a Kiwi. Matt's actually English, I found out. I'm pretty sure he's English. Yeah, please tell me if you're not Matt, but I'm pretty sure he is. So uh, Matt sent in some wonderful images. Uh, I'm guessing they're his kids here in the images, but they're really sort of dreamy images. I uh, really love them. He took them using uh, Ilford Pan F, pushed one stop on his wide pick panorama. So there's a couple featuring, I'm guessing they're his kids, and there's a couple more taken at the beach with some surfers. Really lovely images as well. And the last lot are from, so far, are from Joe Baker. Now, he took these in Norwich in England, and he used a wide pick panorama as well, and he used Kentmere 400. So he's got some lovely images as well, nice ones of trees using the panorama format very well. And the next one, it looks like, I think it's like water under a bridge, maybe? Uh, I think that's where it is. And there's another one of an old English town with a more sort of modern tower there by the look of it. I actually thought it was Shrewsbury for a minute until I read his email and worked out it was Norwich. So yeah, very nice. So please keep them coming, guys. I'm loving seeing all these amazing images come through. There's quite a few people yet 
uh, who said they would enter the challenge and haven't sent theirs in yet. But just so you know, um, originally I was going to stop the challenge or close the challenge off at the end of April. But because of all the COVID-19 health crisis, there's no end date at the moment. So please, if you have a plastic focus-free camera, that shoots in panorama mode, Please, if you're able to, if it's safe to do so, uh, please get out there and shoot. There is no end date as yet. I'm guessing at this stage, you know, we'll probably close the competition off maybe around the June 2020, um, just to give people around the world enough time to enter. Because I really want as many good entries as possible, want as many entries as possible, uh, want as many good entries as well. And hopefully we might be able to do a zine at the end with some of these wonderful, wonderful images. So keep them coming. The ones that have come in so far, are fantastic so please keep them coming now there's also another photography challenge that i've heard of through a friend of mine who of course is alan at the film sweats uh and so alan is actually coordinating a project called and i'm just double checking the instagram name here it is yep it's called the covid sweats the covid sweats so it's a isolation pick challenge film or digital accepted and I think Alan is hoping to get a whole lot of images together from people all around the world and uh, potentially, you know, do some kind of project with it. So, um, yeah, definitely support that one. If you've got, if you're taking images at home, if you haven't already, um, get stuck into that and get in touch with Alan. His, the account for this challenge is at the COVID sweats on Instagram. Now, speaking of Alan, he was actually the person who gave me a nudge after one of my last episodes. It was the episode 15 film photography projects you can do at home. And one of my suggestions in that episode was have a video chat with other photographers. So after the episode, he messaged me and said, hey, how about you set one up? And so I thought, well, yeah, I'm telling other people they should do it. Why don't I do it? So I posted in the Negative Positives Film Photography group and also on Instagram, and we had a really good chat. So we had a few people join us. We had Alan from Sydney join us. We had Matt Evans in Wellington, New Zealand. We had Matthew Joseph, aka Photo Dudens in Melbourne. We had John in Melbourne. We had George from the On The Streets Photography Podcast in London. We had Ben from Hip Shoot Film in London. We had Jackie from Sydney. And we had Matt Jones from Thailand, as well as me. So I think the, the chat went for about an hour and 15 minutes. And I think everyone really enjoyed it. I think the only criticism was uh, someone said to me after, hey, you know, next time, can you schedule a toilet break, a bathroom break in there, please? Because it was like an hour and 15 minutes. And we're all drinking tea and coffee and all stuff like that. And uh, yeah, people kind of needed to go to the bathroom, I found out later. So we might do another one soon. So keep checking the Negative Positives Facebook group for uh, me posting in there about that. Or keep watching the Matt Loves Cameras Instagram, of course. Uh, but if you also check out the Negative Positives Facebook group, you'll also see other people do video chats, which will be well worth joining in on. That's it for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And just another note that if you are, you know, if you've lost your job or you've got relatives or friends sick or in hospital or you yourself are, you know, sick or in hospital, I hope you're doing okay. I hope better times are ahead and I'm, I'm sending you positive vibes across the internet through this podcast. So take care of yourself and take care of your loved ones. I'll see you next time. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Confusingly, there's a very, oh man, you know when you're recording a podcast and Marshall Dalmatian just has to get into the action, he's supposed to be a silent partner. <laughs>